Okay, this is a sikha that is Likute uh, Sikhas, um, volume 25, uh, sorry, Tesvav, volume 15. It's a sikha of Vayigash and Asara Betavis. The main, the, the, the heading of the sikha is Asara Betavis, the fast of the 10th of Tavis. And it's also got to do with the Sedra of Vayigash, which is why we're learning it this week. Okay. So Asara Betavis always falls similar to, uh, close to the Shabbos of Vayigash. And in this instance, this year, it's actually on Friday, and the fast is going to finish with the onset of Shabbos. And the Shabbos is the Shabbos we read, Parshas Vayigash. So since in all of the Parshas have a connection to the all of the fasts and also all of the holidays, the Yomim Tevim, Wherever they fall, although it seems to be that there's two there's two cycles. There's a cycle of the month. And the cycle of the month has the uh, Yom Tevim, has the fast days. We have the cycle of the week, which is the weekly reading of the parsha. However, and the lecha'era would seem that there doesn't that the intersection is just arbitrary, just uh, uh, incidental. The shalah is written that um, it's not incidental, that it's also always, the Yom Tev is always connected with the Parsha that it falls out in. And similarly, a Tainus is also a, a day that's marked by the day of the month. It has a connection to the Parsha that it falls out in. So we understand that the, that the fast of the Son of Etevis has a connection to Parsha's Vayigash. So we could say that since Asar Betavis is actually not just one of the fasts, but it's the first and the source of the other four fasts that follow from it, as we're going to elaborate later on the Sikha. So the connection to Parshas Vayigash and Asar Betavis is not just related to the actual fast of the 10th month of Tevis, but it also has to do, this Parsha will give us an insight, it has to do with the general concept of what is intended by fasts. Of course, the fasts are the, the purpose of the fast and the intention and the reason we have a fast is it has because of the destruction of the Beis Amikdash. Just to remind you that the fast of Asar is that's the day when Melech Bavel, when he started the siege on the city of Yerushalayim. So really, the siege led to the breaching of the wall in Shivas Tamas, which led to the burning of the Beis Amikdash in Tisha B'av which led to, ultimately, the governorship of Yehuda was put into Gedalia, and then Gedalia was killed. So we have all those fasts really are just continuations and uh, uh, evolved from the fact that the Beis Amidosh is destroyed. And the most, the, the first step of that process was the, the, the siege laid around Yerushalayim, and that siege began on Asar B'Tavis. So the concept of fasting for the destruction starts in this particular fast. So therefore, we can say that Vayigash is going to be connected not just with the individual reason or significance of this particular fast, but it has to do with the entire concept of fasting in general. Okay, so paragraph two, the concept and the content of Parshas Vayigash, how do we know what is the central theme. Well, the central theme is going to be in its name. The name is Vayigash. What is Vayigash? Vayigash means, and he drew near. So Vayigash is the drawing near of Yehuda coming to Yosef and telling him, listen up, what's going on? You know, and then starts the process of Yosef's revealing himself. And that's why, because the central theme is Vayigash, that there's a drawing near, that Yehuda comes to draw near to Yosef and to take him on, that's why in the Haftarah of the Sedra, the portion we read from the Navi, in the Sedra, we always know that the Haftarah always has to be from the same topic of the Parsha. Remember, the reason that the Haftarah is because there was a time when there was a decree and you weren't allowed to read from the Torah scroll. So the way the Jewish people got around it at the time is there was an enactment, there was a Takona that you read from the scrolls, from the teachings of the prophets. And that, there was no Roman decree against. So... But they wanted that the community should remember which parsha should be read. So the, the portion of the Navi that was instituted to be read on any given Shabbos would be something that was the content of the actual parsha. So if we're identifying here that the content, the central theme of this parsha is like its name, Vayigash, that Yehuda drew near to Yosef, that's why the Haftarah also speaks about a 
drawing near of Yehuda and Yosef, which is going to be when Mashiach comes. Then, although there's two kingdoms, right? There's the kingdom of Yehuda and there's the kingdom of Yosef. Nonetheless, when Mashiach comes, there'll be an enactment. Generally speaking, we talk about Yehuda being the kingdom of the two tribes, Yehuda and Binyamin. And then we talk about Yosef being the, the, the um, kingdom of the ten tribes. Remember that Yeravam, who becomes the king at the same time as the son of Shlema, Yeravam, who becomes the king of Yisrael, is from the family of Yosef. It's from, uh, so therefore, in the Haftarah, it says that when Mashiach comes, there'll be a reunification of the two opposing kingdoms of Yosef and Yehuda. It's the same concept of Vayigash. Another point, we talk about the, the, the uh, combination and the reunification of Yehuda and Yosef. In the Haftarah, it says, even though that Yehuda and Yosef will be like one, Nonetheless, there will be a, dis a discernible advantage of Yehuda over Yosef. And that's why the way the Safteria finishes off is with David Avdi Nasi Lam The David, my servant, he will be the leader for them forever. Although there's a unification, nonetheless, there's still the, the, the supremacy in some way remains with David. So these two points that are going to be lost in love in the future, Mashiach comes, the combination, the unification of Yehuda and Yosef. And that Yehuda remains the, the, the main one. We find this also in relation to the fasts, which are going to be transformed in the future. In other words, not the way the fasts are now fasted, but we see this concept in the transformation of fasts, the way it will be when Mashiach comes. Because the Rambam brings the end of the laws of fast, the end of the laws of tightness, he says that there is a promise and a wish that when Mashiach comes, these fasts will become transformed. And I'll uh, paraphrase the language that the Ramam says, we transformed Lebeis Yehuda, for the house of Yehuda, Lesosin, Lesimcha, for joy and jubilance, Lemeadim Tevim, to be good days of celebration, Vahemes, Vashalem Ahavu, and there will be peace and love, peace and, and, and uh, uh, truth and peace will be beloved by all. Even though there'll be a uh, the peace and love and a unification of everybody, but the Rambam says he singles out that it will be for the house of Yehuda joy and happiness. So you see that there's even though there's a oneness that becomes between Yehuda and Yosef, there's still a sing there's still an aspect of Yehuda which is singled out to be on top of all the rest. So this Indian that. Um, that the uh, the transformation of the fast when Mashiach comes, this house of Yehuda is singled out, also has not just a, con a, a relationship with the, the 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 totality of fasts. There's something individualistic that this will apply to our fast that we're talking about now, the tenth of Tevis, paragraph three. So we'll understand this by first understanding the explanation in the Rambam. The Rambam in the Salacha says, Kol all these fasts, they will be cancelled out when Mashiach comes. Not just that. They're also going to be days of celebration. Good days. Days of joy and jubilance. It says, So said Hashem, the Lord of hosts. The fast in the fourth month, the fast in the fifth month, the fast in the seventh month, the fast in the tenth month, will be the base Yehuda for the house of Yehuda, for joy and, and, and happiness, and good days, for Emes Vashalem the peace and, and truth will be beloved. So we see the Rambam, and I, I, I paraphrase and I read the Hebrew of the Rambam because we're going to be looking into the language of the Rambam. The source of what the Rambam is writing is in a Tesefta. Tesefta is similar to the Mishnah. It's of that era. And the Tesefta, it's like Brysis. The Tesefta in the end of Tractate Tainus writes the same concept, but the language is different. So the Rambam is quoting that language, but changing the language. What's the language of Tesefta? The language of Tesefta is, The Tesefta says, those days will be good days for the Jews. Holidays for the Jews. So now it says, Hashem, so said Hashem, the fourth, the fast of the fourth month, and so on. And the Pasi continues. But you notice there's a difference, right? The Rambam, because we have to understand, there's several differences. A, the Rambam splits it into a two-tiered blessing. 
He says that when Mashiach comes, the fasts will be canceled. And not just that, but they're going to become days of celebration. He doesn't say briefly and succinctly like it says in the Tzavta. The Tzavta just says, when Mashiach comes, when Mashiach comes, when Mashiach comes, it's going to be days of joy. He doesn't say it's going to stop being days of fasting. And more than that, it's going to be days of The Sefta just says it at once. It's going to be days of joy. So why does the Rambam insert a two-tiered extension? He says it's going to not be fast, and it's going to be days of joy. Just say like the Sefta, it's going to be days of joy. If it's days of joy, we understand. You don't fast. That includes the not fasting. <clears throat> Second point, why does the Rambam, when he says that it's going to be days of joy, he doesn't say days of joy is to the Jewish people. Sefta writes to the Jewish people. The Rambam doesn't write the language. Now, you could say that it's very important to add that it's going to be days of joy to all of the Jewish people because the Pasuk that's being brought singles out the house of Yehuda. So the Tesefta wants to say, don't think it's just the house of Yehuda. Now, why does the Pasuk just talk about the house of Yehuda? We understand because it's talking about the time of the second, um, talking about the time of the second temple. And that time, we don't have the ten tribes. The ten tribes are exiled before the destruction of the first temple. They don't come back to Etzisot. They don't reappear at the second temple. So when there's a prophecy that says that the, the days will be days of joys for the house of Yehuda, we understand why the Pesach talks about the house of Yehuda, because those are the only Jews that are around to talk about. The other ten tribes still haven't returned. But it, it would be... If we're talking about the days of Mashiach, when then the ten tribes will also come back, so then we should use the language like the Tesefta says, it's going to be days of rejoicing for the entire Jewish people. Yisrael. Why does the Rambam omit that uh, generalization of Yisrael, which would, we would think would be an important thing to point out? Number three, why does he finish the end of the Pesach? The end of the Pesach is Va'emes Va'asholim Ehovu that the truth and peace will be beloved. What's that relevant to the fact that, that, that these days will be transformed? So paragraph four, we can say that these last two questions are actually, each one answers the other. Why is that? Because in order to explain that the days of rejoicing will be days that are joyous for all the Jewish people, even though the Pesach specifies the house of Yehuda, the Rambam brings the end of that verse, which is the peace and the truth will be beloved by all. In other words, if we're talking about a future, a Mashiach's coming, when there'll be peace, that means there's also going to be peace between everybody. That means even between the two opposing factions within the Jewish people of Yehuda and Yosef, and there'll be truth and peace. So you understand that if the house of Yehuda is rejoicing and he's peaceful with everyone, so that means that there's a collective peace for everybody. What we have to still understand is why is it that the Rambam only hints this concept? He, remember, the Tesefta says explicitly that the days of joy will be days of joy for the entire Jewish people. That, and then he brings the Pasuk that speaks about the transformation for the house of Yehuda. But at least he already gave you a disclaimer and says, I'm going to bring a Pasuk that speaks about Yehuda, but it really means the whole Jewish people. So why doesn't the Rambam also put in that Disclaimer and say the entire Jewish people. We understand that he hinted at it by bringing the verse that says, that there'll be truth and peace and everybody will be at peace. So we understand that it can't just be a rejoicing for the house of Yehuda. That's not peaceful. If he's rejoicing and his, and his, and his uh, former opposition isn't, that's not peaceful. So if there's peace, then we understand that the person that speaks about Yehuda's rejoicing includes everybody. Why leave it to our derivation and to our extrapolation? Why not say it explicitly? Paragraph five. Another question we can ask, that is, also in the tour, the tour being the, um, the first one that compiled the halachas as they are excerpted from the Gemara and put it into a system of four, four sections and divided into a codified way of uh, presenting halacha. He's the forerunner for what we call the Shulchan Aruch, the set table of halacha that's binding upon every Jew. So the Torah writes, he has a, a he has a, a chapter, he has a section of halachas called Hilchestain, is the laws of, of, of fasts. And he also brings this concept, but he changes the language a little bit. The way the Torah says it is, in the future, 
Hashem will change these days to be days of joy and, and rejoicing. It says, I will transform their mourning to joy. And I will comfort them. And I will comfort them and bring them joy from their agony, from their pain, from their, uh, from their sadness. So it's not understood. Why does the Rambam, in choosing to bring a verse, he brings a verse that speaks in its literal sense about the time of the second base Amigdash. And it says there a little bit of an exclusionary language, as we pointed out. It says it's going to be days of joy, Lebes Yehuda, for the house of Yehuda. Why doesn't he bring this other verse, which the tour brings? It's a beautiful prophecy, which says that the Avel, the, the, the morning, will be turned into joy, which is speaking seemingly not just about the time of the second temple, it's talking about Mashiach's coming. That would be more relevant to us. Rambam wrote his work only 800-something years ago, 900 years ago. So we're talking about a time when it's already after, post-Second Beis Amigdash, you're talking about, we need the Mashiach to come, so why don't you bring a verse which talks about the transformation that will be when Mashiach comes? Says the Rebbe, we could say that these two differences between the Rambam and the Tur, namely, the two differences are, that the Rambam brings it into, draws it into two, um, the Rambam turns it into two tiers. The Rambam says, that uh, there'll be the, the fast will stop, not just will the fast stop, but also it'll be days of joy. The Tesefta just says it once, say it'll be days of joy. Also, the, the Rambam brings the Pasuk that says, So says Hashem, I'm going to cancel out that these days of fast are going to be days of joy. And the tour, he brings a more, a more, what seems to be a more generalized verse that says, I will turn their mourning to rejoicing. So these two differences are really hinged one on the other, as we're going to explain. So we'll understand by first explaining the difference in content between these two psukim that we are quoting. The first passage that says, these days will be days of joys. And the other passage that says, that I will transform their, their days of sadness to joy. And also there's a, in this difference, there's what comes out is there's two or three actually distinct stages and aspects of the transformation of the fast days. This is fascinating. One aspect is that the fast days will be canceled. In other words, if there's peace, so obviously what are you going to fast about? What, about the disharmony in the world? There's no more disharmony or disunity in the world. The reason for destruction was the, 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 the fragmentation. No fragmentation, there's peace. If there's peace, you don't fast. That's number one. Pragmatically, it's not a fast anymore. There's nothing to fast about. Number two, not just won't there be fast days, but the fast days will not just lose their ominousness or their moroseness, but they'll actually be transformed to be joyous days. And actually, the very fact that you leave a state of needing to fast, there's a reason we fast. The reason we fast is because of a state of, of, of distress, a state of oppression under various governments. The mere fact that you leave that state of oppression and you leave the disharmoniousness of the exile and you have in a situation where there's a peace in the world, so that itself elicits joy. In other words, when you come out of the darkness to the light, not just that the darkness stop and you're happy you don't have that, that, that anxiety, but you actually appreciate and you rejoice in the fact that you found that you found peace that's there in the world. So there's a joy, not just a not fast, but there's also a joy. And then there's a third aspect, and that is not just to the actual fast days when Mashiach comes, become good days, but more than that, the whole concept of fast becomes transformed to happiness and rejoicing. Similar to what it says, that when Mashiach comes, there's going to be such a revelation, such a transformation, such a dawning of Hashem's perspective, of Hashem's glasses, the Navi Yeshaya says, Isaiah says, we're going to say, Hashem, I thank you, Hashem, ki to be that you were angry at me. Now, just think about this for a second. Hashem being, when something goes wrong, uh, we're in an exile. When things go wrong, it's because Hashem has concealed His holy countenance, and in a sense has shown a little bit of. Use the word anger is very very hard to use when tragedies happen. It's so to speak. It's 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 it's, it's an aspect of Hashem. I think we dropped off here. 
when there's uh, when Chas Shalom Hashem hides his face, we call it like Hashem showing us anger, so to speak, and then tragedy happens. When Mashiach comes, we say we're going to say thank you, Hashem, for that tragedy. That that's that that's a transformation that's incomprehensible to us right now, but that's a that's a transformation that we talk about when Mashiach comes. The whole the it's not just that won't be suffering and then we'll be rejoicing because we're not suffering. That's forward thinking. That's actuality. Now we're going to be able to reframe and understand that the whole concept of what suffering was has been transformed. Now we understand it's good. Everything is good and everything always was good. That's a total transformation. Paragraph seven. So now, when we talk about fasting, fasting is not that God wants us to suffer. Fasting is not uh, like they do today to lose weight, calorie burning. No, calorie. Fasting is midarke hateshuvahu. Fasting is one of the ways that we come closer to Hashem. It's one of the paths that we take to return to Hashem. So we find that when it comes to teshuva that one does out of love, there's also this three, these three tiers, these three stages. Because true true tshuva is from love. When somebody comes and he, he does tshuva, he returns to Hashem because he's scared that uh, of the punishment that awaits him if he doesn't come back to Hashem. That's not that's not true return to Hashem. We're talking here when somebody understands that the distancing from Hashem is 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 painful for him and he wants to come back to Hashem. There's three steps, but he's he's coming back from a dark past. There's three stages to that coming back. First of all, through doing tshuva by loving Hashem, it's as if you never sinned. Hashem says, you know what. You come to me with such love. You awakened such a relationship with me. I'm going to overlook. Your, your, your slate is wiped clean. Next stage is the fact that when somebody does tshuva and comes to Hashem in love, he oversteers. The reaction is he's going to do more for Hashem than he did before. So through that, not just is his slate clean, not just are his sins wiped away, but there actually becomes an additional, it's wow, you're now a super guy. You didn't just become average. You became beyond average in your good deeds because of the, 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 the sordid past that you came from. Number three, through doing teshuva with love of Hashem, we say that's it's almost like we talk about alchemy with metal turning to gold. There is this concept that teshuva turns the sins into positives. It's not just that the sins are wiped out, not just that you become a person that now focuses more on good because you you have this past behind you that propels you to do more, but the actual past that was a trajectory of negativity by coming to Hashem with love that becomes like 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 the roller coaster, the trajectory, the downward trajectory which has brought you ultimately closer to Hashem because you have that passion to Hashem you never would have had without that downwardness, that transforms the downwardness, not part of a downward turn. It's part of the trajectory of upward. It, it gets transformed into zochias, it gets transformed into mitzvahs. So now we have a full transformation. Unbelievable. So we can say that the same way that when we talk about Mashiach coming, it says in the end, hey, in the end, there's one thing that's going to be Mashiach. Jews have to return to Hashem. But don't worry, Shuvah. The Jews will do Teshuvah in the end. Have no fear, because there's something in us that doesn't, you see it now, coming out after the onset of the Simchas War. You see that however far a Jew goes, there's something, when he's shaken up, there's something that just comes out and, and wells up, right? So Mashiach's going to come because Jews were gonna do, are going to do Teshuvah, like the Ramam says. So when we talk about one of the aspects of bringing Mashiach, what's going to happen is that the fasts will be trans, uh, canceled out. So there's these three aspects. Also, if, if, if the fast being canceled come because we're doing Teshuvah, we just said that Teshuvah has a three-tiered concept. Teshuvah wipes away the sin. It also makes you do more mitzvahs, and it also transforms the sin. That's why in the fast, there's also three aspects of how the fast will be canceled. We'll stop fasting because... Hey, nothing to fast about. Everything is good. We'll actually be joyous because well, I used to be real bad. Now I appreciate the light. Like somebody who does more mitzvahs because he, he has a backdrop of darkness. And then there's a transformation with the whole concept of the fast. We never had to fast in the first place because we understand the things we were fasting about were really good. Again, don't try this now when we're in Golas to say that the things were, that were bad were good. They weren't. They were bad from our perspective. But the transformation that happens when Mashiach comes is that Hashem is going to show us such a revelation. We're going to see how this was really good. Just like a person could reach a nearness to Hashem where the negativity that he did was just part of the process of bringing him close to Hashem and therefore was part of his, of his journey to Hashem and a forward journey to Hashem. Paragraph 8. 
But this will also understand a general question when we come to the halacha of the Rambam. And here the Rebbe says something. I, this is this is so typical. I can't say typical about it, but this is just so fundamental in the way the Rebbe looks at Torah and he says, <laughs> "Why does the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch put in their their books of laws? Why do they put in something that has no relevance to law to halacha the way we we practice it? What do I mean?" To tell us that one day there'll be no there'll be there'll be no fasts. Hey, if if you're healthy, if you're not healthy, you're not allowed to fast tomorrow. If there's even a chance, it may set off trigger something that uh, of, 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 not even of immediate danger. But you have to be very careful with fasting. But for those of us that are you know okay, healthy, it's just you know it's just not pleasurable to fast. Remember, it's not like they talk today. Intermittent fasting is the is the rage, but you can drink. <laughs> That's not fasting. Fasting, when we talk in halacha, we talk fasting, there's no drinking either. So, fasting is not, it's not a pleasurable thing, right? So, we need a Shulchan Aruch to tell us we got to fast. Why, do, why does the Shulchan Aruch, why does the book of law, what relevance does it have to do with halacha, with actual practice of Yiddishkeit, to tell us that one day we're not going to fast? What does it help me tomorrow when I'm fasting? Don't, don't take it so hard to fast. When Mashiach comes, you won't have to fast. Hello? I hope Mashiach will come before nightfall, but if he doesn't, I'm going to have to come and fast on nightfall. I know when nightfall comes, I'll be able to break my fast, but right now, I'm not interested in fasting. Right now, I'm hungry. So what is it relevant to halacha? Says the Rebbe, ah, of course it's relevant to halacha. No, so the Rebbe says, in the Rambam, you could say, Rambam is, Rambam set out to put forth all halacha, even the halachas of Mashiach. That's what the Rambam says, how the process of Mashiach is going to be. The Rambam says the laws of sacrifices. So for the Rambam, we can understand why he puts in the laws of what's going to be when Mashiach comes. It's not going to be any fasts. Okay, that's halacha. But the Torah, the Shulchan Aruch, they don't, they omit all the halachas that are not relevant now in our current state of exile. Shulchan Aruch is written uh, 500 years ago. It, 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 it doesn't include, I didn't look it up, maybe a little more, but it doesn't include the laws that are not relevant that are relevant when Mashiach comes. So why does he put in the law of that the fasts are going to be canceled out in the Torah? What relevance does it have to halacha? The explanation is that this explains to us how we have to fast now. It's not just a halacha, what's going to be Mashiach, we're not going to have a fast. Because what we just explained, that a fast is a process of teshuva. We have to understand what kind of teshuva we need to do. We have to understand we need to do such a teshuva. That is the transformative level of teshuva, where our negativity becomes positivity, because that's what we're trying to achieve. That's the end result that Mashiach is going to bring, that the fast will be transformed. So that tells us, oh, that's the way I need to go about my teshuva now to get to that highest level, because my, my teshuva is supposed to precipitate and invite in and elicit the Mashiach reality. Remember, our Avedat, Mashiach doesn't just come out of nowhere. Mashiach is coming out of a process where we're doing things with pro quo, where Hashem is preparing the revelation that He's going to draw down based on what we're doing here. So by telling us what it means when Mashiach comes, that there'll be no fast, that there won't just be no fast, it'll be a transformative fast into good, that tells us how deeply the teshuva has to be here now. Because we're trying to invite that level in, we also have to do the deepest level of teshuva, of love, to the, to the extent that our negativity becomes positive. Paragraph 9. This is also the difference now we'll understand why the Rambam brings one Pasuk and the two brings another Pasuk. The Rambam speaks about the Pasuk, about the fourth, fourth, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month will become days of rejoicing and holidays. That's talking about the days of fast. Not just the way they're going to be non-fast, but also the way they're going to be transformed. But the Pasuk that we talk about Hashem will transform the the evil. Vafach the evil Hashem will transform the morning to joy. That's not just talking about the day will be transformed. That's talking third level. The whole concept of morning will be transformed into a reframing that it's not morning. There's nothing to mourn about. And there wasn't anything to mourn about. So it's an even deeper, it's the third level. It's an even more a, 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 a radical reframing of the fast days that the whole morning is transformed to happiness. And the reason 
why there's this difference. One Pasek speaks about the full transformation, while the other Pasek only speaks about the days being no longer past days. And because they're no longer past days, they're also joyous. But not a full transformation on the highest level. It's very simple, the Rebbe says, because the Pasek that talks about the fourth month, the fifth month, and speaks about stopping to fast and rejoicing, but not about full transformation, those Pesukim are said regarding the second temple. By the second base Amigdash, when they didn't fast, they didn't fast in the simple base Amigdash. In other words, let's remember, first base Amigdash is destroyed. We we come out with four fasts. There's a prophecy while they're still in Babylon that it's going to be transformed. It's not going to be that way always. Then that prophecy is fulfilled when they go into Shalim again with Ezra, and they um, and they build the second base Amigdash. Now the day is no longer a fast. There's peace. We have self-governance. We have a base amigdash. It's also joyous because we remember, wow, when that date comes, oh, I used to fast on this day. Come, let's party. Now we're eating. That becomes a joy. But it's not a full joy. It's not a full transformation. You know why? Because the second base amigdash did not have the full level of first base amigdash. There were five critical things that were missing in the second base amigdash. One, by the way, was the holy ark, the Orin, with the, with the, with the luchas. They're buried in subterranean tunnels. They never came back. The other is the prophetic the ability for the Kayan to interact with Hashem in a way that the stones would light up and there would be a, a, a way to ask Hashem. Those things and other things, the Shamir, various other things that didn't come back. So it wasn't a full, it wasn't a full light turned on, the second verse So it wasn't a full transformation. But the Pasuk that talks about the transformation, I'll transform their, their mourning to joy, that's talking about Mashiach's coming. That's a complete transformation. Paragraph 10, according to this, we'll understand that even though the Rambam brings the possibility that's, that's talking about sec, time of Second Temple, that the day is transformed. I mean, based on what we explained, he should have gone straight to the top. He should have spoken about the third level. The Pasuk that speaks about the transformation of mourning. But why does Rama bring that Pasuk? By bringing that Pasuk, Rama means to tell us not just that the days themselves will become good days, but he wanted to tell us also that the that there'll be a third level transformation where the actual fast will be transformed also to Yomim Tev. How does he um, how does he tell us that? The explanation is the explanation is like this. The concept of what the Ramam starts saying, in the future there will be there'll be good days. Comes in the Rambam as a continuation to the previous thing he said. What did he say first? Remember, we pointed out all Rama made it two tiers. All the fasts will be cancelled. Not just that. They're also going to be days of rejoicing. From this, we understand that the fact that in the future there'll be days of rejoicing, this is beyond what, what he said earlier, that the days won't be fast days anymore. Now, as the Rambam wanted to, um, the Rambam wanted to build it up as two tiers, because he wants to say there's one aspect of the fast which is canceled. Then there's something much more significant, that is the transformation of those fasts into holidays. So that's what we can't say that the Rambam is not referring to the total transformation. Because when he says stage one, the fast will no longer be fasts, we understand that if everything is good, you're not fasting. Instinctively, there's also a joyousness. The Rambam says not just that. The Rambam goes, jumps to third level. Not just will they not be days of a fast, and even there'll be days of joy, but the, the, the concept will become that the fast itself will be totally transformed. And the fast day itself will be a day of joy. Now that Rebbe says like this, we, 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 it, it's a bit difficult because till now we said that the verse that speaks about the, the, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month, we transform to days of joy. The Rebbe was saying that that's not really a full transformation of mourning itself. There's another Pasuk, and it isn't because it speaks about the time in the second temple where there, there wasn't a full transformation yet. The other Pasuk, and I'll transform their mourning to joy, that's talking about the time of Shiach, that's talking about the time of a full transformation. Now that Rebbe is suggesting that the Rambam the Rambam does use this Pasuk about the fourth month, the fifth month being transformed. The days of joy, he does use it also in the context of full transformation. 
There's a square brackets here. How do we know that we could learn the verse in that way to that extreme? Because we know that the Gemara asked, there's a Bach, one of the commentaries on the tour, he writes like this, the Gemara asked on this Pasuk, you call it a, the Pasuk seems to be, uh, have an oxymoron. It says that the time, the, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month will be transformed to, to days of joy. One second. How do you call it a fast and a day of joy? If it's, Why do you call the day of fast will become a day of joy? If it's a fast, it's not a joy. It means it sounds like you're defining the day as being in its DNA, a day of fast. If it's in its DNA, a day of fast, how does it become a day of joy? And the Bach answered, in other words, the, the Bach suggests, the Gemara suggests, it should have said, the fourth month will be transformed to joy, not the day of fast, not the fast of the fourth month. If it's a fast, it's not joy. Say the fourth month, in other words, the fourth month is, is neutral. It could be a fast, it could be joy. So the fourth month will be transformed into joy. But when you emphasize the, the, the fast of the fourth month, it's almost like you're saying the DNA is fast. That's going to be transformed to joy. How can that? So don't call it a day of fast. It's obviously not a day of fast. You can't change the DNA if it's if if it's a frog. It's not a it's it's not it's not a it's not a butterfly. So you called it a frog. So how do you now say it turns into a butterfly? Just you know, right? He says no. The Gemara answers. The Bach says that the word same the fact that there's a reason. The reason the pasuk doesn't take an easier path and just say the fourth month will be transformed to joy. He emphasizes that it's a fast, says the Bach, because the Gemara wants to tell us that the Pusik is telling us that the fast, it will be a change of DNA. The day of fast will be transformed to a day of joy. Total transformation. Not just practically, we won't fast, and therefore we'll be joyous. But the, the actual fast, that's why the Pusik says, the time will turn into simcha. The fast will be transformed. The DNA of that day will be transformed from a, from a fast to a joy because, again, because when you take Hashem's perspective, the revelation will bring to the fact that that day is not, that the whole morning is not morning. The whole fast is not really fast. It's a day of joy. So in other words, this pasuk can be used to this, to express this third level. And that's what the Rambam intended. Okay. Now, we're going to see that in the Rambam, there's another lishitose. There's another aspect here in these two tiers of how the fast become transformed. Is it just we don't fast and joyous because we're not fasting? Or is it also that there's a total transformation that the whole concept of fast becomes reformulated, reframed, and, and re-DNA'd in a way to a day of joy? We see this is consistent with the Rambam's approach to the coming of Mashiach, the two tears in the coming of Mashiach. Paragraph 11. We've spoken many times about the opinion of the Rambam with regard to the coming of Mashiach. According to his opinion, there's going to be two general stages. The first stage is the beginning of the days of Mashiach. When there about that, it says there's no difference between our times and the times of Mashiach except for the enslavement to government. By the way, people sometimes think, now nobody thinks that, we, that we're not in exile. Unfortunately, we have very many remainders. But one of the, the indications of being in exile is that you are beholden to other governments. Everybody knows, for example, even today, when it comes to what Israel wants to do, they have a, a big Uncle Sam that uh, sits on their back and sits, uh, sits very closely into trying to dictate and insist what they're allowed to do, what they can't do. That's not Geula, that's not redemption. The very basis, the very first step of redemption is total freedom from governance, total autonomy that the B'nai Yisrael have their own governance and are not hinged on anybody else. That's very much not the case now, as we know. right? So it's in other words, that's the first um, that's the first stage. There's not going to be a canceling or a total cessation of life as we know it. The laws of nature are, gonna, are not going to be repealed or or, 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 or or revoked immediately. As the Rambam says, it's not going to be chidush It's not going to be some kind of a... Yeah, not going to be any kind of, of, of restructuring of the world or some kind of a, of a, of a changing of the, of the DNA of the world. The world will work as it is in the first stage. But the balance of power will be such that the Bnei Yisrael are totally... In, 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 in dominance, they're not dependent or, or, or beholden to any other power. A natural state, but 
course, that's a it's a it's a messianic state because there's there's a world that's living in in consistency with Hashem's desires here on earth because the Eden are with a kingdom and they're practicing Hashem's thing. But sun will rise, the sun will set, commerce, maybe even stock markets. Will there be cryptocurrency? Basically, but whatever it is. Number two, there's an, a second a second uh, stage. What's a second stage? Second stage is there'll be the resurrection of the dead. Oh, that is already, that's a major change. When somebody's been buried six feet under, and then they come back, they stand up from the grave, come back with an ashama in their body, and, they're, 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 and their body becomes re, uh, refurbished and uh, rejuvenated. And that's one of the cardinal aspects of our belief. That's that's a total difference. That's a total reworking of the ways of the world. But we don't know all the all the details, right? So Nambam says, I'm not going to give you the details about the second stage because we don't know them. So I can't put it into a law of into a book of law. But the Rambam does put in his book of halachas the first stage. It says no difference, but there'll be total governance, which is by the way, why whenever you want to talk about world events in the context of Mashiach's coming, you always have to evaluate it from the Rambam Salacha. The Rambam says there'll be a king who will lead the entire Jewish people into fulfilling Hashem's will, into keeping Torah and mitzvahs. The first, the first criteria is that there needs to be a governance that is a governance of bringing all the Jewish people to a state of serving Hashem, all the mitzvahs. But that's the first stage only. The Rambam speaks about the first stage. The next stage, Rambam says, we don't know. So he doesn't include it in his book of laws. We can't, because these are based on prophecies that we don't know the details of how they will flesh out. We know there'll be a resurrection. We have to believe in it. The details we don't, so Rambam doesn't write it in it. And now we'll understand why the Rambam in the laws of Tainus, when he speaks about the future, that there'll be a transformation of days of fast to days of joy, the Rambam separates it. Remember we said, strange. The Rambam makes a two-tiered thing. Tosefta says, when Mashiach comes, Tosefta is the Rambam's source, when Mashiach comes, will be the, the days of sadness, will be days of joy. The Rambam said it in two tears. When Mashiach comes, there will no longer be days of fasting. More than that, they're going to become days of joy. This is consistent with the Rambam's two-stage approach to Mashiach. The Rambam's saying, in the first, in the first uh, epoch, in the first kuf, in the first stage, so the, the, the fasts will be canceled. And automatically that means they'll be joyous because you come to that date on the calendar and you're not fasting. Oh, wow. You're going to really enjoy your meal on Asana Betavis when Mashiach comes. I remember I had to fast and now I'm eating. But then there's a second aspect. And that is that the transformation, that's already a difference. That's not just will, in the first stage of Mashiach, the fasting stop because we're in good times. There's nothing to fast about. But there'll be a second stage where transformation will bring us to the point where we see, wow, there was never any mourning in the first place. The whole DNA of day of mourning becomes transformed to days of joy. That's the second kufa. The Rambam divides it, therefore, into like he does with the coming Mashiach. There's two stages. He includes that two stage because this way it's symmetrical. It's two stages of how we prepare for Mashiach by fasting. Two stages of what will be the tshuva and then two stages in the fasting. Two stages when Mashiach comes. Paragraph 12. The reason that Rambam brings this pasuk, therefore, why does Rambam not bring the more radical Pasuk? We said that there's a more radical Pasuk he could have brought, that the entire morning will be turned into joy. It's because here the Rambam wants to bring a Pasuk that speaks about the house of Yehuda. The main difficulty of, of, of Golos, of the exile, is, and the fact that we have, uh, we're beholden to other governance, is felt by the house of Yehuda. You know why? The other 10 tribes they were taken out of the um, they were taken out of the picture towards the end of the first Beis Amikdash. There's a piyot, there's a saying we say on, on, on Tisha B'Av, we say a lot of kinnas. One of the things we say on the night of Tisha B'Av, after we read the Book of Lamentations of Eicha is, Nodadeta at achas, is You, there's a discussion between the ten tribes and the house of Yudah, the two tribes, the Yehuda tribes. And they're talking, who suffered more? And the house of Yehuda says, you, the 10 tribes, you only had one exile. You were banished. We don't know where you are now. But you were banished, banished once. And I, says the house of Yehuda, I had to suffer so many banishments. 
Because remember, there's the first temple, and then there's come back, and then there's other. We're, we've been in successive exiles for the last 2,000 plus. If you count from the beginning, from the first temple, it's 2,500 years. So the real sufferers are the house of Yehuda. The 10 tribes, you know, they're somewhere, and, and they only went to the exile once, and that's where they stayed. So since the, where does the joy of Mashiach's, of, of the transformation come from? The joy we know comes from however much you suffered, that's how much you're joyous. So therefore, in order to bring out the great joy that of the transformation of the fast when Mashiach comes, the Rambam brings a Pasuk, which is speaking to the house of Yehuda, which there is emphasized the great suffering that they had. Ah, they had such a great suffering. That's why their joy is going to be a joy with abandon. But since then, there's also going to be, as the Rambam concludes, that truth and peace are going to be beloved by all. In other words, there's going to be a reunification between these two uh, this, uh, the, uh, between these two branches of the Jewish people, the Yehuda branch and the Yisrael branch. Therefore, the joy will be a joy of the Kal Yisrael. But if you want to talk about which 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 part of Kal Yisrael is going to be, uh, there's a saying in Yiddish, Unter and Tish, they'll be you know dancing with a band until they land up under the table, so to speak. That's the Yehuda ones, the ones that suffered more. That's why he brings the Pasuk of Beis Yehuda. Paragraph 13. So even though there's an emphasis here about the house of Yehuda, in other words, that the great joy is really a result of the great suffering that the Yehuda, we're the, we're the Yehuda part of Amisau, by the way, us, Yehuda, we're, he's talking about us. Our great suffering is going to be, is going to really be the source for the great jubilance when Mashiach comes and we're no longer suffering. Um, so, Nonetheless, even though that's the case, since the Rambam does bring the Pasuk, because, and he, but the Rambam does want to talk about the total transformation. So we have to say that um, also the actual, it's not just that the, that the, that the, remember this, we're still talking about three levels. We're not fasting. The enjoyment of not fasting because we have the backdrop of how we had suffered, and then the total transformation, third level, the radical transformation. So the house of Yehuda is more emphasis on why the joy once being released from fasting is going to be more by Yehuda because they suffered more. When we talk about total transformation, that would seem to be relevant to the entire Jewish people. Yet the Rambam wants to talk about total transformation, but still he brings the Pasuk of Yehuda. So it tells us that even when we talk about the total transformation, the house of Yehuda still has more relevance. So the Rebbe says, I'm going to explain it now according to the Pnimius, according to the inner workings of the Torah. We're going to go a little bit into, into the Hasidic aspect here to explain why total transformation is, is related more to Yehuda than it is to Yasef. Okay, so here it goes. The difference between Yasef and Yehuda and the ways of them serving Hashem. We know that Yehuda concept is study. Study is, Torah study is Hashem's wisdom coming down from above into our minds below. Yehuda is the concept of Misa, of deed. Deed, when we have action, action is about us engaging here and trying to make our actions purposeful, which elevates the physicality that we're engaged with. So one is a downward, bring Hashem down. One is elevating the world to Hashem. We talk about the differences of bringing Hashem's revelation down below or refining the lower spheres to be able to be ascend closer to Hashem. What's the difference when we talk about revealing Hashem's light down below? So that has the power to cancel the darkness. But when you talk about working with the darkness down below and engaging in it and needing it and, so to speak, elevating it, refining it, then you're transforming the darkness into something more elevated. When you call in the troops from above, you can wash the darkness. But when you infiltrate the other side and you create a movement from within to join the forces of good, you're elevating, you're transforming the darkness, the energy of the darkness into light. And so therefore, when we talk about Yesev, that's just talking, relating it back to fast. That would be the fast being canceled. We talk about the aspect of Yehuda, of the transformation that exists with Yehuda. What that tells us is that the actual fast, that relates to the next level, which is that the actual fasts become transformed to days of joy. Paragraph 14. 
This is also the connection between Beis Yehuda with the concept of the difficulty of the enslavement. When we talk about Yosef, Yosef is a revelation of Hashem from above below. So what his Aveda does is um, where can he reach? He can bring down Hashem's light to a place which is at least susceptible or sensitive to light, where it can have an effect. However, Yehuda, when we talk about Yehuda working in the darkness, working in the lower spheres, he's able to create a scenario where the darkness, even places where light wouldn't reach, light wouldn't penetrate, but he's in there working from within. He can transform even that coarseness and darkness into light. This is the epitome of is transformation of darkness to light. And therefore, because the Avayid of Yehud is in the place of darkness in the lower spheres, and in the lowest of lower spheres, that's why actually it touches the highest of the high. Remember that um, there's two spheres, there's two tracks. There's the track of tzaddikim, those that are righteous and do what Hashem wants in the first place. And those that come back to doing what Hashem wants after having stumbled and after having been uh, um, uh, in the mud and in the distance of doing what Hashem didn't want. So we know that when, when a person overcomes the stumbling and the murkiness and the darkness he's in, he reaches even higher than what the tzaddikim reach. Because, um, because remember, Hashem's purpose is a dwelling place below. The lower you your thrust, and even then you transform that to Hashem, the higher you reach. You reach levels that are higher. In other words, the counterintuitiveness. How can this darkness you bring light? You're able to transcend that, bring light. That touches another counterintuitive place on the, on the reverse side, on the upper side, Higher than light, you've you've taken darkness and brought light. Now, what you where you reach is higher than light. In other words, higher than Ishtar, reach Hashem Himself. And this is the difference between the Geula, the way it is from Yosef, and the way it is from Yehuda. The Yosef aspect of revelation of, of redemption is, as it says in the verse in Ruth. There's two verses in Ruth which are homiletically related to uh, um, redemption. One is Yigalech Tov, the good one will redeem you. In other words, uh, if you're toiv, if you're related to good, you'll have a redemption. And then there's, I will redeem you. That talks about the redemption that comes directly from Hashem, which is able to reach even the deepest place where light couldn't penetrate. Paragraph 15. According to this, we'll understand why, why the Rambam is bringing the verse that the day will be transformed for the house of Yehuda. Why is that relevant to the total transformation that has to do with the second step, the second tier of the coming of Mashiach? Because we know that in, in, in the Elam Haba, we talk about the future world There's going to be, when Mashiach comes, there's going to be the feast. One aspect is the feast of the Leviosan fish and the wild, the Sherabah, the wild bull. And that's similar, even though it's a spiritual concept as well, but it's similar to the concept of eating and drinking. We talk in the language of having a feast. And then there's the aspect of the world to come, which we say there's no eating or drinking there. Not even allegoric eating and drinking. The difference between those two stages, between eating and drinking in the Messianic era, and not eating and drinking in the Messianic era, anyway, we said it's not real eating and drinking. So why is one called eating and drinking? One is called that there's not going to be eating and drinking. It's all spiritual. Anyway, eating and drinking denotes the... What does eat, eat, eating and drinking mean in our own physical experience? We ingest and we and it becomes part of us and we have delight. We have some form of tainu. We take it in and it, it creates some form of pleasure for us. That would be the, the spiritual parallel of that is studying and understanding the, 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 the reasons of the Torah that are revealed then, what are we going to understand when Mashiach comes? We're going to understand all of the deeper rationale of Hashem behind the Torah mitzvahs we're doing now. So that's going to be so pleasurable, it's going to be like eating a feast. right? Then there's another, another level where there's no eating or drinking. That means it's beyond even having pleasure. 
it's beyond any revealed form of pleasure, even the spiritually uh, sensitive revealed form of, uh, form of pleasure. Not just that we'll be eating. Even in the spiritual parallel of eating and drinking, the second stage of the world to come is going to be much higher than that. And that comes only through the fact that we come back to Hashem. The concept of return to Hashem from the darkness. Mesiras nefesh, self-sacrifice for doing mitzvahs even when it's impossible. That transcendence of self to do what Hashem wants even when it's virtually impossible elicits that second level world to come where it's higher than being ingested in self, higher than being understood. It's Hashem himself that we have a relationship with. So similarly, we could say that similar to the two epochs, the two times in Mashiach's coming, we have the first uh, era. There's a first era where we say we'll be totally free of doing anything that causes us distraction from Torah and wisdom of Hashem. Um, so that's a concept of having revelation. That's the first level. We'll be able to fully engage with learning and studying without any distraction. But then we have a next step, which is resurrection, the dead coming back to life. That's a total... That's a total cancellation of every anything that's even similar to eating and drinking. Eating and drinking is more part of the process of life. Coming back to dead, coming back to life of the dead is, is a total reversal of life. It can only come from Hashem who's totally transcendent of the laws of nature. And that's why when we talk about the, the transformal of the fasts, the days of joy, we speak about Beis Yehuda because the Aved of Yehuda, remember it says that Yehuda is deed. Yehuda is, is even connected to Hashem in a place where it's impossible, where there's suffering, where there's where there's uh, trials and tribulations that make it make you required to have sacrifice. That's Yehuda. That speaks to the higher level of transformation because that Aveda, that service to Hashem, transcending even when it's impossible, that's the that leapfrogs us to having connection to Hashem who's beyond possible, who's beyond. The, the order of Ishtashlos, it touches Hashem's essence. A little bit esoteric, this last uh, last paragraph, I'll admit, but um, hopefully you got the the, the the concept. Chapter, paragraph Tezdain, paragraph 16. According to this, we'll understand how this connects to the 10th of Tevis, particularly. But a sort of a Tevis, the Abudraham says something startling. Abudraham writes, even if it would fall out on Shabbos, now it can't fall out on Shabbos according to the calendar we have for the last 2,000 years, instituted by Hillel, can't fall out. But if, again, when Mashiach comes, we have, or before, before we had a calendar, we had the sanctification of the month upon the moon. So you could have any day could be Rosh Chodesh. So you could have the 10th of Tavis, we could have fallen out on Shabbos. And he says, if it would fall out on Shabbos, we wouldn't push it off. You know, when Tisha B'av falls out on Shabbos, Shabbos and Thomas, the fast for the breaching of the wall, for the destruction of the temple, if it comes out on Shabbos, we push it off to Sunday. This fast we wouldn't push off because there's language in the Pasuk that says, on this very day, the king laid siege to the walls. That language on this very day, is reminiscent of the language that's used about Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur does even on Shabbos. So the Avudraham says we would make that correlation and if the tent of Tabas would be on Shabbos, we'd fast on Shabbos. By the way, it's the only one of our fasts that we fast a little bit into Shabbos. Interestingly, we fast on Friday and the fast finishes at the at nightfall. Shabbos for us starts at sunset. So that little period between sunset and nightfall, we're kind of into Shabbos and we're still fasting. But that's just parenthetical. I don't know if the Rebbe says that here. I'm just... Uh, uh, Yeah, no, I think this is just my uh, observ uh, simple, uh, simple observation. Now we could say that the reason for this is why would we fast on Shabbos if Asabitavis fell on Shabbos? Not just because th th there's a correlation in the possible. Why? What's the meaning behind it? It's because Asabitavis, that's when we understand it. it's a very harsh start because that's when everything started. The siege was the first stage of the, of the ultimate destruction, right? Um, so because it's the source of all those subsequent destruction, that's why we treat it, and even if it would come on Shabbos, it would be such a, a, a heavy day, we would fast even on Shabbos. But if we're talking about it being the source of all the fasts, and that's why we would fast on Shabbos, we understand that the teshuva 
that we do on that day that has the ability to transform the fasts, this fast and all the subsequent fasts that come out of the siege, right, has to be a higher tshuva than the tshuva we do on the other fasts, right? And that's why we say, even if it would be on Shabbos, we would not push it off. You know why? Because deep down, it's higher than Shabbos. In other words, there's a power. We have to understand, the Rebbe says in many places, the fast day has a very, 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 very powerful DNA. Right now, it's it's negativity. But today we can understand that sometimes we can alter, we can play a little bit with the genetics. And if you take the power and you transform the negativity into positivity, you now have a powerful positive. So the day, the Rebbe says this about the birth of Mashiach on Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av is a day of fast, and Shabbos it's pushed off. But Tisha B'Av is also the day of birth of Mashiach, very powerful energy. That is not pushed off. That still stays on the Shabbos of Tisha B'Av. So Rebbe, whenever Tisha B'Av falls on the Shabbos, the Rebbe says it's an incredible day. So there's an energy of the day of fast, which we have. And if we, if we would be fasting on Shabbos, that means it's a, it's a powerful energy. And in a sense, the potential that it has in it is even higher than Shabbos because it could bring you, um, it's just like the Yom Kippur, which, why does Yom Kippur, why do we fast on Shabbos when it falls out of Yom Kippur? Because the Yom Kippur day is even higher than the Shabbos, has a, a deeper power. Usually Shabbos needs to be treated with eating. Yom Kippur has such a deep power that what you can do on Yom Kippur, you do it through fasting. It's higher than Shabbos. Technically, Yasser Tevis has that kind of potency to it. Right? Because the, the, the teshuva that we can do on this day has the power to reach the highest level of transformation. A level, remember, the highest level of transformation, when we correlate it to the two levels of the world to come, we say there's a level in the world to come that eating and drinking is irrelevant. We don't have eating and drinking. So because this day has the power to jackpot to, to, to catapult us to that level, so already it would be expressed in not eating and drinking if it were to fall out on Shabbos. Of course, it doesn't fall out on Shabbos, so as soon as Shabbos comes in, we make Kiddush, and we, uh, this in our case, uh, we eat and so on. So this is the this is the uh, connection. Um, 